Welcome to Distribution on the Cusp of Metamorphosis, an MCA Talk podcast series. If you're interested in concepts that impact wholesale distribution and manufacturing companies, this podcast is for you. MCA Associates, a management consulting firm since 1986, works with wholesale distribution and manufacturing companies that are seeking and are committed to operational excellence. The MCA team provides business consulting in specific areas of core competency, including operational excellence, thought leadership, and business process re-engineering, distribution center and warehouse design and resource integration, inventory and supply chain management, ERP and WMS systems technology assessment, organizational assessment and development, sales development and revenue generation, and competitive advantage assessments. And now your host, MCA Associates Principal, Howard Coleman. Hello, this is Howard Coleman, and welcome to the third episode of Distribution on the Cusp of Metamorphosis podcast series, an opportunity to introduce companies just like your own to becoming more agile. Now, if you happen to be a regular reader of our MCA Talk monthly newsletter, then you already know that we cover a variety of distribution management-related topics focused on a lean and a continuous improvement approach to your entire value stream. Our podcast allows us to expand our coverage, provide more depth and granular detail, and a more relaxed way for you and your company to obtain what I hope you will conclude is relevant information. From time to time, we'll have some guest speakers, And oh yes, in each episode, just as we'll be doing in this one, we'll be offering some additional podcast topic resources. So I hope you will subscribe to the Distribution on the Cusp of Metamorphosis podcast, listen in on a regular basis, and keep up with the latest trends and issues impacting distribution operations. But first, let's just take a brief moment to again welcome our valued sponsors. First... Six River Systems is a leading fulfillment solution provider and part of the global commerce company Shopify. They provide a collaborative mobile robot. It's called Chuck and operates in more than 80 facilities in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. You can contact them at sixriver.com. That's the number six, river.com. Mindhaber is celebrating 21 years of developing award-winning custom business software, ERP system enhancements, API integrations, and business intelligence solutions for leading manufacturers and wholesale distributors. Please visit them at mindharbor.com. The Wholesaler Magazine is the number one choice for news in the plumbing, heating, cooling, and piping wholesale distribution industry. Always in the forefront, visit them at phcppros.com. So our third episode is entitled, Business Reinvention in a World of Word Salads. What's in your playbook? Let's get started. You know, for me, the last 18 months have felt like a science fiction movie, hasn't it? On one hand, a global pandemic causing record-setting despair, Travel is restricted, the economy goes into shock, and people everywhere are either at home or managing some type of cautious return 
to work activity. On the other hand, there's a kind of technological revolution afoot. As the pandemic has served as a catalyst for some rapid technological growth, pushing our world further into the digital sphere than ever before. A lot has happened. It's been a very extraordinary time. Now, a lot of folks have asked me about the word metamorphosis, which means, by the way, a profound change in form from one stage to another, an example being, and according to the dictionaries, a transformation, like from a moth to a butterfly. Biological or not, metamorphosis is just a partial reason for my inclusion of it in my podcast title. There's a bit more to the story than just moths and butterflies. First, and yes, I do believe there is really no choice other than to embrace change in what we've come to call disruption. One of the first words in the word salad. Disruption is a real thing, though. The question is, how do we respond to it? Because to ignore it, I believe, is a form of arrogance. In that fear of change, call it risk or threat if you want to, is covered by the arrogance and by a blinding overconfidence. In this episode, I'm going to attempt to untangle it all, as well as provide some thoughts as to how you might navigate what the hullabaloo is all about and why it's turned into this word salad. I know you don't have any right now, but metaphorically at least, get your binoculars on, because as we'll discover, that was one of the major problems for the Titanic, which I'll examine in a few moments, a real-life example of both arrogance and overconfidence. It's probably been two years or more since I wrote an article that was titled The Truth About Driving Change and Innovation, What No One Tells You. And over that time, I've had many comments on it, particularly as it regards my own perspective on something called transformational leadership. My attempt in the article was to reinforce the concept of disruptive forces, the disruptive influences brought about by technology, as well as a myriad of other factors that impact how you do business. The article was really a product of my my own experience with clients, meeting prospects, reading some recent books on the topic, attendance at conferences, online webinars, etc. And by the way, I learned that leadership and innovation conferences are now a $15 billion industry. But maybe in my own arrogance, I never thought this discussion would reach the level of intensity that it has. Now, something I came away with, my own personal impression, was that these sessions got people all riled up, like a rah-rah session, about thinking differently about their business, preparing for the future, elevating, empowering, and inspiring those around you to do innovative things, extraordinary things. Now, what's not to like about that? What I discovered is that what often got left out was... Who will lead the effort? Do we really have the leader? What's the actual internal process? I'm pretty sure most of these people attending these conferences went home, probably enthusiastically, but ultimately were either unable or unwilling to execute the change or the so-called innovation through transformational leadership after all that cheerleading. Because innovation is hard. Now, I'd be getting a bit off track if I continued with this leadership theme because it does require an in-depth discussion 
of the difference between leadership and management, leadership attribute traits, and even personality types. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave this here for another time, maybe for another episode. So I'll just say one last thing about it. There is complexity in these things, and surely more than meets the eye. How we behave, make decisions, and allocate resources, and how we utilize and manage our own fundamental beliefs about change. Now, in reality, not everyone is or can be a Steve Jobs or a Jeff Bezos or a number of other people who we may admire for their real innovational thinking. If I substituted another term, and it's reinvention, somehow it just doesn't have that same kind of ring or buzz, does it? In fact, it's pretty hard to come up with five names associated with something called reinvention. The reality here, though, is that only 2.5% of us worldwide, according to some, are real innovators. 13.5% of us are early adopters. They love trying and testing new things. Pretty much everyone else is a follower. There's even something called laggards to one degree or another. Now, a research team at the University of Toronto surveyed 1,000 American and Canadian knowledge workers. These were people who were all employed with college degrees, surely a different demographic than the worldwide example. And they assessed their attitudes towards innovation. They were assigned to six different groups and even broken into three different age groups. They were presented with the following thesis. Innovation is all about something new, new features, new solutions, new business models. Innovation demands freedom and creativity so so that you are not caged by the past and present limitations. Most of the time, the question of what do we do with the old falls outside the scope of innovation efforts. Now, interestingly, While the drive for innovation among participants varied from 14% to 28%, only two of the six groups measured actually broke the 25% mark. Willingness to take risk was even more telling. At best, 19% were willing to take risk, with some age groups dipping as low as 11%. Remember, this is data for two first world countries and most innovative countries you have to wonder what everyone else is doing. I think it says, most people are just not inclined to be innovative. We're all wired differently. Yet we know, however, that life does not stop from scratch. Companies have existing products, assets, and people, just like families have existing histories, traditions, and possessions. Can we abandon or ignore those legacies? Most of us just don't have the luxury to invent in a vacuum. So maybe we have to figure out how to create the new while also preserving the best of the old. How to drive change while also assuring continuity. And I suggest that's precisely what reinvention is all about. Now I just happen to come from a different perspective. One of renewal, which I think is within most people's and companies' reach. Almost anyone can offer a reinvention idea, subject to evaluation and testing. And yes, sometimes you will get some wild-ass ideas, but that's okay. It's offset by the strength of the participatory process. Also, we talk about innovation all the time. We talk about it like it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime event or moment. 
And yes, historically, that was enough. It was okay. Kodak invented digital photography, and we know what happened there. Nokia once owned 50% of the smartphone market, and we know what happened there. Blockbuster, we know what happened there. Pure arrogance. And of course, we only see the disaster that has occurred after it's happened. Surely we can't take that approach anymore. Because of today's speed of change, we do need to anticipate. You know, there's something called the Titanic Syndrome, which essentially says that organizations facing disruption create their own downfall through arrogance, excessive attachment to past success, or an inability to recognize and adapt to new and emerging realities. They have no binoculars. They don't anticipate. Look what happened to the Titanic. Their radio communication room was bogged down with transmitting first-class passenger messages to their friends and family. Warning messages from other ships in the same travel lane were being virtually ignored. The assistant captain, who at the last moment was brought aboard because of experience in barriers avoidance, in other words, other ships, had no experience with icebergs. David Blair, one of the second officers, had responsibility for maintaining a supply of binoculars and a secure locker. For some unexplained reason, he was relieved of duty at the first port stop the Titanic made. He neglected to turn over the keys to the locker to his replacement. Now there was no ability to supply the ship with an opportunity to anticipate hazards in the distance. So what's happened in our reaction to change? Well, we've created a word salad. Our business ether is littered with these new terms. I mean, this is not just about semantics, that is, giving meaning to a word, but it's become a word salad of conflated terminology, mostly conceived to get your attention and motivate you to some form of transformation in your business. Although, frankly, I don't believe that's even the right word. In fact, and I have to humbly admit, I've been as guilty as anyone in perpetuating all this confusing jargon. And it's begun to frustrate me that we yin-yang people around with this loose terminology. For instance, innovation. It's defined as something completely new or different being introduced that changes the marketplace. Now, in fact, I would venture to guess that if someone asked you to come up with something innovative based on that definition, your mind would probably freeze. It's a natural reaction. Then we have the word transformation. That is a change in form, appearance, nature, or character. Now, I happen to be very tired of this word. In itself, it rarely produces any results. It's just another word in the word salad that really describes the result, the result of other actions you may take through other systematic means. Again, it's the end result. It doesn't describe any specific pathway. Then we have continuous improvement, defined as uninterrupted in time without cessation. Now, continuous improvement, whether in an incremental or a more radical way, is involved in the process of reinvention. Just the term continuous improvement suggests that. It's not a one-time event. It's continuous. It's a respected series of ongoing business actions in your company related to what people do in finance, distribution, supply chain, sales, etc. 
I contend that continuous improvement has to become more systemic. Now, reinvention is to remake or make over as in a different form. Reinvention is a practice of embracing change by reimagining and remaking something so that it manifests new and improved attributes, qualities, and results. So I ask, why not make reinvention a regular exercise, like taking a shower? Because we all know what happens when you don't take a shower. To put it nicely, you get stale. Reinvention, continuous improvement, together are a structured and deliberate effort to engage in healthy cycles of planned renewal, building on the past to ensure current and future viability. To survive today, you consistently, continuously need to reinvent. It's not a one-and-done thing. You know, a mentor once said to me many years ago, think big, start small, and then scale like hell. It resonated with me as a perfect recipe, a perfect set of ingredients for reinvention, that renewal, through continuous improvement. He also said, focus on speed over perfection. Don't complexify. Now, I'm I'm not even sure that's a word, but I do know it is an enemy of speed. Lastly, he said, always remember that change will go on with or without you. Continuous improvement and reinvention, that renewal of our processes, our technology, and how we manage our people today are all widely accepted as the three core elements of the change and improvement you may be seeking. Now it puts transformation in the right context as a result, because most of us will never achieve real innovation, particularly as I've defined it today. There was a fellow by the name of Dr. Eliyahu Goldratt. Uh, he uh, wrote several books. Uh, one of them called The Goal uh, is one I would suggest you might want to take a look at. And uh, he became uh, what was called the father of theory of constraints. Uh, it's a form of reinvention, continuous improvement if you choose. And it said, and he said that value is created by removing a significant limitation for the customer in a way that was not possible before. In other words, removing a significant limitation was identifying and removing a bottleneck, a constraint. Do that and you'll have continuous flow of process and product. Now, he never said anything about having to blow up all the bridges behind you. In other words, you don't have to freeze people's minds searching for that grand innovation. Now, the advantage gained through any improvement we make, of course, diminishes over time. Technology changes. Competitors copy you and eventually catch up. So we must renew, reinvent, so that the improvement curve doesn't ultimately go into a freefall. Because the recovery statistics are pretty dismal, according to most studies on this topic. Therefore, reinvention, at least every three years, is probably a bare minimum. Again, the lesson being... None of this is a one-time event. It's not like a project. We all need healthy cycles of plan renewal. It's good because consistency builds a habit, a culture. So I hope that what we've discussed will help you leapfrog your competition with the desired value stream outcomes you're looking for. Just like any other core competency, managing change can be learned. 
For that, practice is crucial. Reinvention provides that healthy opportunity. Although you can't prevent that iceberg from appearing, you can damn well make sure you don't hit it. So invite reinvention into your life and your company. Do you remember as babies we had no inhibitions? We crawled, we walked, we began to talk. Nothing could stop us. Then somehow we inherited inhibitions. We inherited the fear, the averseness to risk, the resistance to change. So I hope that I've made some sense here and been able to influence your thinking in a meaningful way, that we are already in a very reinventive period, one that demands different results for true transformation. Because without you, or me for that matter, this metamorphosis will continue. The question is, will you be future ready? So think about reinvention every day. You know, we do considerable research on our podcast topics, so do take advantage of any of the additional resource takeaways I'm offering. For this episode, you can obtain, for instance, reinvention tools for building a future-ready organization, the six pillars of reinvention, and a playbook infographic. Just refer to our contact information in the podcast episode notes. All you need to do is just ask for it. So again, thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsors, Six River Systems, Mindhopper, and The Wholesaler Magazine. Subscribe to the distribution on the Cusp of Metamorphosis podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and receive automatic notification when a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about anything I've discussed, or just want to tell us what you think of the podcast, let me know. That would be very much appreciated. With that, I thank you very much for listening. So long, and stay well.